I'm so glad to be here today. We have sung some great truths this morning. You know, in the book of Colossians and also the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul said this about music, teaching one another, teaching one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we sang some great truths today about God's faithfulness. Even when we are not faithful, he abides faithful. We sang some great truths about God's love today. His love is unconditional. His love is faithful. He loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, speaking of himself, so I have loved you. Now go and love one another as I have loved you. We have spoken, we have sung today and taught ourselves and reinforced in our hearts the truth of God's faithfulness in working out a plan for us. Your pastor's been preaching through the book of Hebrews and going back to Genesis and looking at all those people that are mentioned in that so-called hall of faith. And I know he's focused on Joseph lately. And Joseph makes that classic statement, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. The Bible says the ones who love God and are called according to his purpose, he works all things out for good. Sometimes things aren't good. Things like cancer and things like uh, job losses and things like financial difficulties and relationship problems and, and ministry problems. They are not good in and of themselves, but our God is so great and so good. He works it together, weaves it together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I wonder what God's purpose for you and me is for 2024. Before I ask myself and ask you, what's your purpose? You know, New Year's is a great time when everybody, Christians and non-Christians, believers and non-believers, people in the secular world or whatever, they make resolutions. They resolve to do certain things in the new year. They have a plan. They have a purpose. They have a goal. They have a why. And it could be from health issues to financial things to uh, relationship things or whatever. But before we, as believers, ask what our purpose is, what's the why, what are the goals for us in 2024, I think we need to try to discern what is God's plan for me. For all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to my purpose, your purpose, no, his purpose. Now here's where the rub comes, where the rubber meets the road. Here's the little fly in the ointment. God's purpose for us may not be to our liking. I know there's been times in my life, seasons in my life where I didn't really care for the season I was in. But God had a plan and a purpose, and I realized when I came out of it that it was for my good and for his glory. And sometimes when I've been in seasons, I came out of it and said, what was that all about? And I still don't know, even though sometimes they go back decades. And God said, trust me, I have a plan and I have a purpose. What is God's plan for us? What is God's purpose for us? And what is our plan for the Lord and our lives in this new year? Here we are, two weeks into a new year. You know, in the ancient Roman culture, they named the month of January after a false goddess named Janus, J-A-N-U-S. And the goddess Janus was a two-faced god. No disrespect against women at all, all right? She happened to be a female goddess. But it was a two-faced goddess. One face faced to the left and the other side faced to the right. And what it meant was in the month named after the goddess Janus, 
and it became January, the first month of the year, they encourage one another to look back and reflect and to look forward and anticipate or maybe dread what was coming on. And in January, we can do that. Here we are in two weeks into it. We can look back and say, what was 2023 like? What did God do in my life? And what did I do for the Lord? Did I reach some goals that I made in 2022 as I went into 2023? Am I looking back, reflecting and learning from my mistakes and from the positive things, learning more about God, learning more about myself, learning more about others that I interact with? And am I looking forward to the year ahead 2024. Here we are two weeks into it. We have made this huge, long journey around the sun, almost one half billion miles, actually more, 587 million miles around the sun. That's a long, long journey. And we are even right now traveling at 68,000 miles per hour all the while spinning at a 1,000 miles an hour once a day. No wonder we're tired. We are doing a lot of work here. And we've made this long, over half mile, half billion mile journey, <clears throat> excuse me, around the sun, and we are right back to where we started. And all this stuff happening in the heavens shows us the power and the might of God. While the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour once a day, that's what makes the day, and making this long journey around the sun, half billion miles at 68,000 miles an hour, we have our little partner, the moon, one-eighth the size of the, of the earth that's traveling with us, also rotating around the earth and rotating on its own axis at the same time that it's rotating around the earth earth so we only see one side of the moon all the time as it helps control some of the tides we see the moon reflecting the light of the sun and it's just amazing psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of god and the earth shows forth his handiwork we serve a great god we serve a compassionate god we serve a god who has all things under control even our lives so if I asked you, what is God's plan and purpose for you in 2024? And what is your purpose and my plan and my purpose for me walking with this great creator in 2024? Am I looking back, reflecting and learning? Am I looking forward, anticipating what God will do in my life? And usually when we come to these points in, in, in the year, most of us, and even many in the secular world, we reflect and we plan and we make resolutions. And sometimes those resolutions don't last very long. You know, I work at a gym. I'm a personal trainer and a group exercise class instructor. I work the front desk at UFIT Gym in North Providence. And the gym has a lot of new people in these last couple of weeks. And a lot of them won't last the month. That's why the gym tries to get as much money out of them that first month because they know they're not going to last. Resolutions. And when people come into the gym and I say, what brings you into the gym today? Inevitably, they have a plan. I say, well, are you willing to put in the time, energy, and money to fulfill that plan? Because if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it for you. And some of the things that God has for us involves us also working alongside the Lord, doing what we can do. Loving God means that we 
keep his commandments. Jesus said, you say you love me, but you don't do what I say. So when we talk about Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those that love God, part of loving God is being obedient. Now, we're not obedient to get saved or stay saved. We're obedient because we are his children, and he desires us to be obedient and to fulfill his plan as he works alongside us. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to be faithful to God and watch him work? I want you to look in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says some great things here. The Apostle Paul says some great things concerning our mindset as we go into this new year. And I want to start in chapter 2 and read a little bit uh, before the verse I want to focus on for a moment. And Paul says this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. I think any pastor, in fact, your pastor, would desire that for, for, for the church that God's called him to lead. That we would walk in encouragement to one another. We would have things in common. We would fellowship, prefer one another. Don't do things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Have humility and value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, it says in the latter part of verse 4, but each of you to the interests of others. How much would our churches the church I'm involved with as my home church, Ocean State Baptist Church, how different would it be if I fulfilled and everyone fulfilled those requests? Paul says, you know, make my joy complete. He said, by doing these things, be like-minded together. There's nothing like a church that's unified. There's nothing like a people that's unified. If Calvary Chapel here in North Kingstown would fulfill that request of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, how much different would it be? How much better would it be? How much better would the almost 400,000 churches in America alone be able to influence this world if they saw the love we have for one another? Jesus said this, By this will all people know that you are my disciples, by your big church buildings. Nope. By how many missionaries you support? Nope. By how many ministries you have? Nope. Again, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. And when the world sees Christians, even different denominations of Christians, not able to unite on the principles and the foundations of our faith, and we argue and bicker and debate. When the world sees that, and even within churches, church assemblies, we can't agree on on much of anything sometimes. The world says, why would I want to be a part of that? That's just like the culture I live. That's just like the Republicans and the Democrats arguing. That's just like the conservatives and the liberals. That's just like the environmentalists and the non-environmentalists. That's like everybody arguing about all types of things. Why would I want to be part of the same thing that has requirements? They don't. We need to have love for one another. And the Apostle Paul said, here's the secret, verse number 5 of Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another... Have the same, the NIV says, mindset as Jesus Christ. Some versions say, have the same mind that was in Christ be in you. Some versions say, have the same attitude that Jesus had. So as I go into 2024, and incidentally, 
we have already traveled uh, well over a few million miles in the two weeks that we've been uh, traveling. How much have, have I implemented of God's word in these couple of weeks of these million miles traveling around the sun? And the Apostle Paul says here that we need to start out having the same attitude and mindset that Jesus had. And he speaks about humility. And in the description here, when he speaks about Jesus' mindset, he speaks about the humility of Jesus. That's where we need to begin as we go into this new year and as we continue through this month of January, looking back and looking forward. And as we go through all the months of the year and come to December 31st, how much of this will we fulfill? And here's how he starts. He said, you need to have the same mindset, the same attitude, the same uh, mind that Jesus had. And here's how he describes it. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. You notice, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature, by taking, he did it, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. You notice that Jesus did some things. He made himself nothing. He, 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 he took the very nature of a servant. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Think of how low he went. And sometimes we are more concerned about our rights, our desires, our privileges, the things that we want, and even in assemblies like this, and I'm not preaching at you today, I, fall, I felt uh, guilty to this as well. We, we, we bicker and argue. We want our way. I want my seat. I want my parking place. Somebody's in my seat today. I said that to somebody. Somebody said that to me one time. I looked at the seat. I said, so that's your seat, huh? I said, I don't see your name on that seat at all. I don't see your name at all. In fact, on our church, on the pews, we have pews, it says Ocean State Baptist Church, and there's an anchor, and there's a, a logo of, of the state of Rhode Island. I said, I see nothing there that personalizes that seat for you. And people said, somebody's in my parking place today. just ruins their day. You know? I want to say, I don't see any names on those parking places. And I've always had a little thing about names on parking places. Really? Really, if you're in leadership, you ought to park in the back so people can have places in preeminence. Prefer one another above yourselves. If somebody's in your seat, pray for them and find another seat where you can hear the word of God and continue to pray for them. What Paul says here, you need to have the mindset of Jesus. He made himself nothing. He lived in obscurity, yet he was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And Paul says here, this is the mindset you need to start with. And if I could encourage you, encourage me, uh, and encourage people in, in all churches and whoever's watching and listening online, start out with this. Humble yourself and don't wait for God to humble you. Humble yourself. Let this mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have the mindset of humility, especially in relationships. Paul says, value others more than you would value yourselves. And you notice the result, therefore God exalted him. Jesus was obedient to the Father. And it says in verse number 9, because of this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Sometimes we want the exaltation before the humbling. The Apostle Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. We want the exaltation. We want the high position. We want the high level. We want the authority, the, 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 the ability. We want all these things of power and authority and might and prestige and, and, and God's purpose working in high places. And God said, but you haven't done what I've required my son to do. Humble yourselves under my mighty hand. I'll exalt you. And Peter says, in due time, when you're ready. So many times in life, I've wanted certain things. I've wanted positions. I wanted, you know, authority. I wanted a, a place of, of uh, being able to accomplish many things in leadership. And God said, you're far from ready for that. That's not ready for you, and you're not ready for that. And you have not shown that you can be led, but you want to be a leader. And sometimes we, we miss the point that the greatest leaders are ones who have been led and are able to still be led by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, the first point of the mindset of Jesus is humility. So if I could encourage you today, in, 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 as we go into 2024, we continue making this journey around the sun as we look back. I know there are times in 2023 where I have not humbled myself because God, you know, wasn't, his plan wasn't of preeminence in my life. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due time. The foundation of our mindset for 2024 needs to be humility. The second thing I see in Paul's letter, when I read it in chapter 2, starting with verse number 12, he said, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine. You know, notice the condition. He said, do things without grumbling or complaining. Then you will shine. This is a conditional promise. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. In addition to being humble and starting out with a mindset of humility and preferring others better than ourselves, the Apostle Paul says we need, you need to stop grumbling and complaining. I find in Christian circles and I find in my own heart that I've become quite proficient at grumbling and complaining. I'm pretty much an expert in it. I'm going to be 73 years old in May 2nd of this year, 2024. There's a lot of rotations around the sun. I've traveled billions and billions of miles. So have some of you. So don't say, wow, he's old, you know. You're right up there. I see a few gray hairs here. And, uh, you know, when we, when we uh, go through life, we become quite proficient at complaining. We complain about politicians. We complain about the, uh, the uh, people that run our, our, our towns and cities. We complain about our bosses and people that have leadership in our jobs. We complain about our neighborhoods. We complain about uh, the car we drive. We complain about so many things. And usually it's grumbling and, and complaining directed at other people. They just don't know how to do a job as good as we could do it. And sometimes when we do that, 
we have that mindset. It's just we're irritated and aggravated and complaining. And the father looks down and says, I've planned those things for your life that you might grow in patience and humility. And you have the audacity to complain about it. That's why I feel like God speaks to me. He said, how dare you? You say you love me and you want my plan and my purpose and you say you love me, but you complain about things that I could put into your life or take out because all good things come from the Father, but he works all things for good even though some things aren't good. And I've become quite proficient at complaining and grumbling. The Old Testament uses the word murmuring. God literally caused some people to lose their lives and caused Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years when they could have got to the promised land uh, 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 decades before they did. And it was all because of their murmuring and complaining and grumbling. God gave them manna and they got tired of manna. God gave them quail and they they complained about it while it was in their mouths. And God said, you're going to wander and wander more and more until you learn to accept my will and my plan and understand I put those things in your life that you might build up your faith and build up your strength. So number one, humility. And we're all challenged with that. Again, I'm not preaching at you today. I'm, I'm with you. I could sit down and listen to this message myself. It's very convicting to me. And sometimes I'm, it's uncomfortable to preach on some things and people say, well, he must have it all together. No, no. Guilty as charged with all these things. My pride is still there. You know, I'm an only child. Welcome to my world. Just be glad I'm letting you live in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going away. It's there. And the root of all sin is that pride that comes up. Like, I don't deserve this. How dare you talk to me that way? I mean, I work with the public. I work in a gym, and sometimes people, like, put their finger in my face and say, you kept taking my money, and I never came to this gym. I say, listen, I pull up my pockets. I have none of your money. That's you fit corporate, and you gave them permission to take your money, not me. That's what I want to say. But I say, I understand it's difficult. It's a challenge. I understand that's how businesses are run. You know, you try to be nice and things like that. Part of my pride, like, how dare you talk to me like this? You know, how dare you insinuate that, that I've done something dishonest and I didn't tell you something. And sometimes we got to bite our tongues and check our heart and say, I don't know what that person's going through. Sometimes people are just going through things that we can't imagine. And we're just the recipient of some of the grief they're going through and the challenges they're going through. First thing, humility. Second thing, stop the grumbling, stop the complaining. Again, people come to our churches. What do they hear? What do they hear? Grumbling and complaining? Too hot, too cold, too loud, too soft, too casual, too formal. I don't like that version. The coffee's not strong enough. How is the coffee today? Good. Make it strong, brother. Make it strong. You know, we need strong coffee. And the sun's coming in. I couldn't find a good seat. There's no place to park. It's too crowded. It's too empty. They're always talking about money. They never talk about money. They're always talking about young people, and they ignore the older people. And when people come into our churches and hear that, you wonder what they think church is really like and what are Christians really like. We all do it. When I worked in ministry full-time, and I worked in music ministry primarily in Bible teaching, I would get opposite complaints within five minutes. Too loud, too soft. Too fast, too slow. I don't like those old songs. I hate the new songs. I love the new songs. I hate the old songs. The keys were too high. They were too low. I couldn't see the words. One lady told me one time, the lyrics on the screen are too big. Like, okay. 
So what if it was one word per slide? No, it wasn't. I was like, <laughs> I said, well, we make them big so people can see them. She goes, they hurt my eyes. I said, well, sit further back. You know, it's like you hear it all after a while. And, you know, it, it, it's comical to a degree. But to a point, I want to say, like, OK, we need to stop the grumbling, stop the mumbling. We're never going to please everybody. And people want to be pleased and they want what they want. And Paul says, start with humility and start with a lack of grumbling. Third, you know, Paul uses this phrase, and it's almost like he's writing to some people like us that are entering into a new year. And I know we're two weeks in. I understand that. But it's still new. And it's almost like he's, he's writing to, to people that are, that are entering a new year. If you look at chapter uh, 3, I like to read a few verses, uh, that, but I want to go down to verse number, uh, number 7 because uh, for lack of sake of time here. But it says in, in, in uh, chapter 3, verse number 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Now he's bragging a little bit about who he was. And he was a tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was zealous for the law. He was blameless in a lot of ways. He's bragging a little bit, trying to prove a point. And he says, but whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I considered them garbage. Some versions say dung. Look up the word in the Hebrew. It's not a polite word that we would use in, 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 in public but he says, I consider it dung, I consider it garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do. Here's a great New Year's resolution in addition to starting with humility as a mindset. Stopping the grumbling and complaining. Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget what is behind. Remember the false goddess Janus looking back. Paul said, there's an aspect of the past that you have to, as the Italians say, forget about it. You got to just forget about it. Incidentally, time travel is not a reality. You can't go back in time. And sometimes in our minds and in our spirit, we relive things that are not only last year, they're several years and several decades removed from the reality in which we live right now, the present. Why? Can't change it. Doesn't even exist anymore. And Paul said, after you reflect, in a sense, and learn, and he says the things written aforetime are for our learning. So we can visit the past, the things we experience, but eventually we have to forget about it and move on. He said, forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's more important to learn from the past and forget about it. If I dwell on the successes of 2023, it'll make me complacent. Like, I did great. I don't have to do great anymore. I don't have to strive. I don't have to push. If I dwell on the failures, 
it'll make me timid to go forward in faith. And Paul said, learn from it and forget about it. And now press toward the goal of the high calling of God, some versions say, in Christ Jesus. What are my goals? Are they all about me? I want to do this, accomplish this, uh, learn this. Or are they all something bigger than me? Paul said, I press toward the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you have goals? I think my cross is making some noise here. The noise should be, the cross should be noisy. People should say it. I'll tuck it in. Um, do, do, do you and I have high goals that surpass our own desires? Do, is, are, are my goals uh, concerning God's glory and God's effectiveness in my life? Paul said, I press toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you and I have a high calling? Are we starting out with humility? Are we stopping the grumbling? And do we have a goal to glorify God in our lives? How interesting. Paul wrote this letter at the end of his life. Incidentally, this letter, Philippians, uses the word joy and rejoicing more times than any other letter that Paul wrote, and yet he's writing it from prison. Not visiting people in prison. No, he's in prison. And it, it, would, it would make the prisons we see up in Cranston, in Rhode Island and other states, it would make them seem like luxury hotels where Paul was. He was in a dungeon, a hellhole of a prison, many times in the inner prison, put in stocks, chained to a Roman soldier, suffering, naked and cold and hungry and deprived. And Paul said, but I've learned how to be content in all circumstances. Even though I'm in prison, I get a chance to witness to Caesar's household, his servants. So Paul learned to be content, but he's in prison and he's writing this letter and he said I'm still going to press on and he's at the end of his life he's soon to lose his life and he says this I want to know Christ and be like him in the sufferings of his death some versions say conforming to the sufferings of his death Paul says I want to be like Jesus here he is, a man that's going to be used to write a third of the New Testament. He's excelled in the zeal of his, of his faith as a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees, the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He says, I was zealous for the law. I even had Christians put to death because I thought they were against the, 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 the truth of, God, of God's word. He was zealous. He was mature. God used them to be the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. He influenced more people and still is influencing people. We are reading his words 2,000 years later. What a magnificent dedication of a life. And yet at the end of it, he said, I want to know Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes when we use terms like I got saved, past tense. I received Christ, past tense. I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, and we'll give a date. In my case, it would be 1975 past tense. I became a Christian, became, past tense, uh, in, in whatever, whatever year. You can plug in your year. And we think it's a done deal. And it is to a degree. You can't get any more saved, but you can come a lot more like Jesus. God loved us as we were, but loves us too much to say, stay that way. Otherwise, he'd just take us to heaven. He wants us to become more and more, we sang a little bit about that today, more and more and more like Jesus. And Paul says, here's how you start, humility. Here's how you start, stop the grumbling and complaining. Here's how you start, 
uh, forget those things that are behind and press toward the mark. Are you ready to press in to 2024? I mean, really press in. And that's a vision of an athlete running, straining towards the finish line. When I work as a personal trainer in my group exercise classes, sometimes I'll use terms like, let's go, grind it out. Because I'm doing the same exercise many times that I'm asking them to do. Somebody holding a, a, a plank and doing some shoulder taps or doing some plank jacks or doing some, some exercise is going to cause some exertion. I'll say, listen, hang on, grind it out, push. You can do a little bit more. Come on, give me two more reps. Let's go. We can add five pounds. You can do this. It's in you. And I'll use the term, let the lion out of the cage. It's ready to go. And I find sometimes in exercise, people will push themselves more than in Christian circles. Push yourself to learn the word of God. Push yourself to be one that would be exemplary, an example of what a true follower of Jesus would be. Instant, in season and out of season. Faithful, faithful, even when the going gets tough. The world says the tough get going. And many times when the going gets tough, the Christians run out the door. And man, I'm not preaching at you. This is so convicting to me. It is so convicting. And God has so much more. When Jesus humbled himself and became human, and then he became a servant, and then he became obedient to death, and then he became a criminal, the Bible says, then God exalted him. Then God gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. Sometimes we want the exaltation, but we don't want to go through the suffering. Sometimes we want the muscle, but we don't want to go through the pain. When I talk to people that want to sign up for the gym, they say, I want to lose 60 pounds. I want to look like you. I want to do this or look like him or whatever or her. I say, well, are you willing to, to devote the time, the energy, and the resources, and yes, the money to get that done? If not, it won't happen. It just won't happen. It won't happen. Uh, if you want to lose 60 pounds and you're not willing to cut back on eating and adjust that diet, it will never happen. I don't care how many reps you do. It's not going to happen. And I find sometimes in Christian circles, we want the end result, but we don't want to go through the suffering. And even the world knows that. No pain, no gain. In order to learn, you have to study. In order to, to, to get stronger, you have to tear those muscles, and they're going to hurt, and then they rebuild stronger. It's like that in any part of life. Uh, people that become millionaires, uh, Dave Ramsey did a survey out of 10,000 millionaires, and hardly any of them, a very small percentage inherited the money. You know what they did? They worked for it. And they saved and they sacrificed while others were spending more than they earned and end up in, in, in debt. So, I mean, the, the world knows these principles and sometimes we ignore them. So, again, start with humility. Again, no grumbling, no complaining. Again, be like Jesus and desire more of him. The Bible says here that Paul says, I want to know Christ. Well, he knew Christ. He was teaching others the principles of God's word under the inspiration of the Lord. He got God's word. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards and sideways. And he still said, I want more. Can I give you a motto that you might want to carry with you in this new year? More in 24. Can you say it with me? More in 24. Now say it like you mean it and say it a little louder. More in 24. More in 2024. And when I think about that, I think of this man named Moses. I love Moses, Moshe, it says in the Hebrew. I can't wait to meet him. 
I really can't. And one day, Moses, after leaving Egypt because he killed somebody, this is how God starts the story, with a murderer, somebody that got so angry, he just killed somebody, and he had to scoot out of, out of Egypt uh, with, with his life. And he finds himself on the backside of a desert, the Bible says, taking care of sheep that weren't, owned, weren't, they weren't even his. So he's, he's poor, he's destitute, he's left his, his heritage, uh, the, the ease of the life that he had in Egypt, and he's in the backside of the desert. And all of a sudden, he sees a bush burning. And that was the beginning of Moses' walk with God. And later on, when he goes back to Egypt, he goes through these ten plagues and sees the power and the glory of God. After they got out of Egypt, he wanders in the wilderness and sees the provision of God. And during that time, God gives him the Ten Commandments written by God's finger. He sees the pillar of fire by night and the glory cloud by day, the manna, the quail, the water from the rock. He sees God's power and God's majesty and God's provision and God's glory. And for 33 chapters in the book of Exodus, it's over and over and over, God's display of his incredible power. But in chapter 34 of Exodus... Moses, as God's getting ready to move him, and Moses says, listen, unless you go with us, we don't want to go. We'll go where you lead us, but we want to make sure you go with us. And God says, I will be with you. And that was God's uh, promise to Moses all through his ministry. I will be with you. Even when Moses says, I can't do it, God never agreed with him or disagreed. He said, I will be with you. And when Moses heard, I will be with you, and was ready to pick up camp and go where God would lead them, he said, but Lord, can you do one thing for me? After 33 chapters of him seeing all these incredible miracles and display of God's glory, he says to God, show me your glory. And Paul says, I want to know Christ. He had already come to know Christ, but he wanted more. Moses, after seeing the display of God's power and glory for decades, he said, please, before we go, show me your glory. I want more. And maybe God smiled and said, I can't show you my glory because if I do, you'll die. But I will show you something. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by you and you will behold my glory. Am I like Paul? I want more. I want to know Christ and be conformed to the power of his sufferings and be conformed to his resurrection. I want to shine so bright that people can't deny that I'm something different and someone different and that I'm a follower of Jesus. Do I want more like Moses, even though you've seen a lot? I've seen a lot. I've been a Christian for over 45 years. I've seen God work in many, many ways. Even these last couple of years, God's done some things that I'm like, how did that happen? And how did it happen? And I can even see some building blocks for years in the future because we all, we worry about the future sometimes. I can forget the past, but I have apprehension. I'm wondering, am I going to run out of good health before I, I, I die? Am I going to run out of resources before I die? I wonder. I, I, sometimes I, I complain, I grumble, and I have apprehension, but I can already see some blocks that God's putting in place to, to work things out for good because I do love God, and I know you love God, and I, don't, I, I am called according to his purpose, but I want to glorify him. I want more in 2024 so that my testimony will shine bright so that someday people won't read much of what I wrote as we do the Apostle Paul, 
but they will remember me at the very least as someone who was faithful. Someone who was faithful, who loved God and was obedient and was willing to admit the failures and help others learn from them. Moses says, show me your glory. The Apostle Paul says, uh, I, I want to know Christ more and more. Do you and I want more? I like what Peter wrote in uh, 2 Peter. He says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which you have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through those you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That's what we have. We have a standing in Christ. We have his divine nature. We are partakers of the divine nature. We have salvation. We have the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We have the, the word of God. We have the, 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 the unction of God, the anointing of God. We have so many things that God has given us. But Peter says you need to add some things. He said also for this very reason giving all diligence. In other words, there's things that I have to do that I can work together with God and I have to add some things in my life. It's not a done deal. We're not finished products. We are still under construction. We have much that we can claim as being followers of Jesus and children of the, of, of the Almighty God and, and lovers of God. We have all those things. But he said, for this very reason, give all diligence and add to your faith virtue. How about making... 2024, a year of more virtue. And add to virtue, knowledge. How about making 2024 a year where I'm not only humble with the mindset of Christ and not only uh, lacking in, in grumbling or complaining, but I add virtue, I add knowledge. And Paul said, add to not, Peter says, add to knowledge, self-control. Add to self-control, perseverance. Add to perseverance, godliness. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. And add to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound... Paul said we should always be abounding in the work of the Lord. More in 2024. For if these things are yours, Peter says, and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The reason we should want more, Paul says, I want to know Christ more. Moses says, God, show me your glory, more of it. Peter says, add these things continually to be growing in the Lord. He said, the reason we want to do these things is that, it, is that we will abound more. And if we don't do them, we're short-sighted. We we're even like blind people and we've forgotten that we were cleansed from our old sins. We want this more in 2024 because of who we are and what's been done for us. But again, we are not a done deal. We are not a finished product. We need to be ever growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and growing as human beings, growing as people of influence in this world. And stop grumbling about unbelievers acting like unbelievers. There's a novel idea. Why can't people just be nice? Because they're not. Why can't people be honest? They're not. Why can't people not do the things that they do that's going on in, 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 our, in our country? Boy, I'm a disaster today with this. 
Why can't they? Because they're lost and they don't have the truth of God's word. They have no Holy Spirit. We have enough problems uh, living, living righteously. And you expect the lost world to live righteously? We complain about all these things, but we need to be the light to them and point them to the one who can change their lives. And these principles that Peter says, like perseverance and virtue and self-control and brotherly kindness and all of those things, they need to start in the house of God. And they need to infiltrate this world that we might be people that would shine. Jesus says, let your light shine that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. More in 2024, more of the mindset of Christ, more of the humility of Christ, more of the contentment that God commands, less grumbling, more of the power and glory, as Moses asked for, of God in our lives. More of the traits that Peter mentioned. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, love, love for God, and love for people. More in 2024. Could you say this with me to God? More in 2024. Say it louder. More in 2024. Lord, give me more in 2024. Lord, I want more in 2024. And many of you, including me, we need to fill in the blank. More of what? Well, some of the things I told you today, humility, mindset of Jesus, less grumbling, adding all these virtues and this knowledge and self-control, as Peter said, more of God's glory. But you have specific things that God wants to show you more, use you more, give you more, that you might give more in 2024. So as we say it one more time, can you bring to mind the things that you want more of specifically? More in 2024. May God grant you the desires of your heart and may he give you the desires of your heart to conform to his will. He's working all things out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word as you taught us as we read it in the Gospels. And thank you, Lord, for Peter's words that you gave him and Moses' words that you gave him and the Apostle Paul's words and many in the Bible who spoke under your anointing. I pray that you would use those words to encourage us, challenge us, admonish us, give us the punch in the gut that we need sometimes, give us the pat on the back that we need. Whatever we need, give it to us. Lord, we desire to want more, more of the mindset of Jesus, humility, less of the grumbling, more of the contentment that the Apostle Paul said he learned. We want more of your glory, Lord. I want to see more of your glory. Hide me in the rock and go past me and show me more of you. Lord, just uh, engulf me in your glory in, in ways that are inexplicable. May the world see our light and your light shining and reflecting off us like the moon reflects the light from the sun. I pray that this congregation will seek more in 2024. I pray for every person that's here today, every person that's watching and listening, every person that this church affects. I pray for Pastor Rich and his family and for the leadership of this church that they would set the pace and be the example of wanting more in 2024. We ask all of this to the one who gave us everything, 
Thank you, Jesus, for your blood, the sacrifice. You became nothing for us. You became a servant, obedient to death on the cross. We praise you and thank you in your precious name. Can you say amen? Amen. And can you say it one more time? More in 2024. One more time. More in 2024. It has been my joy to be with you today. I love uh, coming to churches and preaching. And I just pray that God would, would work in your lives in a great way. And um, if you uh, don't know my friends here, this is Mike and Cheryl Kokorian. Jan and I, my wife, is over here. We have been friends for over 40 years. I know we don't look that old, but we are. We're up there. And they have been faithful servants in, at Ocean State Baptist Church, where we are all members. That was my church where I worked. I was on the full-time staff for over 40 years. God transi transition transitioned me from that. I still serve there. Uh, I preach occasionally and, and help out in ways that I can as a volunteer. And God transitioned me over to the fitness industry, as I mentioned earlier. And I'm having a great time serving people and helping people. It's a great opportunity to, to testify uh, of my faith as well. And I get to preach at other churches like this one. So I'm just overjoyed to come and uh, be with you today. And we just thank you for your hospitality and your graciousness and uh, your, your attention today. I just love, love what, what's going on here. It's great. All right, how do we finish? Do we finish with a song? All right, let's go for it. 